I'm Chris Motes, and this is Faith in Politics. On this broadcast, we range from the soul to the state as we cultivate those virtues and explore those principles that help us live well as faithful Catholics in this great land. 2020 has been quite the year, and of course, at the forefront of everybody's mind, especially now that the presidential election is uh, more or less concluded, it's COVID-19. Um, talk, uh, talk around the water cooler for some time is centered around vaccines. That is going to be our topic of conversation today. Joining me on the broadcast is a South Dakota lawyer, Cameo Anders. Cameo is a resident of Sioux Falls, attended Ave Maria Law School, a great Catholic law school down uh, now located in Florida. Uh, she and her husband are the parents of uh, four lovely children, worship at St. Catherine Drexel. And Cameo also has the great distinction, I think, of being the only NCBC trained bioethicist in the state of South Dakota. The National Catholic Bioethics Center has a really, really wonderful uh, training program, training uh, bioethicists. And I, I know it's, um, it's a familiar organization to a number of our priests and lay people. And Cameo, is that true? Are you the only NCBC bioethicist in South Dakota? I think there's a priest, West River, Okay. And I, I guess I don't know if that's true other than that I've been made aware of, of that person. I'm not sure. I think there's a couple other people who may be going through the program, so I'm excited. I think that's, to I think that's true. So your, your ranks are swelling. It's, I know. Uh, I, <laughs> it's a great organization. In any event, welcome to Faith and Politics. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. So this whole talk about vaccines, you know, back early in this pandemic, uh, March and April, the whole talk was like flatten the curve, flatten the curve. We got to preserve our health care. That was kind of the public policy that was driving conversation. At some point, the public policy conversation went from uh, flatten the curve, although I think that is still the guiding policy, at least in the state of South Dakota, is really keeping a close watch on what are our numbers in our hospitals. But at some point, we started hanging our hat on a different peg in this talk of vaccines. We got to get herd immunity through vaccines. And this really started to dominate um, the conversation about uh, what, are, what is our COVID strategy um, that we're pursuing together. I got to say that lately, a little bit of this talk has been a little um, confusing it's been reported in both Catholic uh, press and, and in some secular press that, that there are maybe some conscience hangups. And so I want to kind of talk through some of the nuances that really need to be fleshed out today. Um, and particularly, there's this, you know, I just got an email the other day. I heard that the vaccines are made with aborted baby cells. You know, is that true? Is it not? And so that's kind of, there's a, there's a connection potentially to abortion with some of these different vaccines. And that's, that's what we want to talk through today. And maybe we could just start out um, with that like basic question cameo is like, are these vaccines made with aborted baby cells? Now that's a great question, Chris. And it's been a question even before the COVID-19 vaccine, you know, came into our minds. So for example, in South Dakota to attend school, you have to have a list of vaccines one of them is the MMR and the other is the varicella. Those two vaccines are created using human fetal tissue with no other alternatives. So those have been sort of a, a contentious issue even before the COVID vaccines. Now, so according to the uh, fact sheet for the Operation Warp Speed, the HHS website, 
has several vaccines and three of them that are sort of forefront in the running, Johnson and Johnson, Moderna and AstraZeneca, maybe I'm, those have used human fetal tissue in their production. So we'll talk a little bit about what used and production means. I think that the AstraZeneca is, uh, has been halted maybe due some, to some adverse reactions in their trials. So the one that's probably at the forefront of our minds is the Moderna vaccine. Um, there are also three other vaccines in the running, the Novavax, a Pfizer vaccine, and a Sanofi GlaxoSmithKline vaccine that do not use any human fetal tissue in their production. So I'm not sure the status of those the first three that I mentioned that are the tainted vaccines received more funding in August, and it didn't list those non-tainted ones as receiving funding in August. So that makes me think, you know, the government is sort of pushing forward with those vaccines that are tainted, and then we should be concerned about them. Yeah, and I'll maybe just throw in, because you mentioned a lot of a lot of different company names there, and just to kind of put this in South Dakota context, beginning on December 15th, our state is going to receive its first shipments of vaccines from both Moderna and Pfizer, uh, going to receive a total of about 10,000 doses. And I, I'm not exactly clear at this point whether it's, because I think it's two doses per person. So I'm not sure if that's enough to vaccinate 10,000 people or enough to vaccinate 5,000 people with two doses per person. But just to make that initial point is uh, Moderna and Pfizer are the first ones coming to South Dakota, but then shipments are going to continue weekly as, as more is produced and, and, and comes our way. Okay. Well, so with that, according to the children of God for life website, which does a great job gathering this information, the Pfizer vaccine is not tainted with human fetal tissue. Mm. The Moderna vaccine has used, human fetal tissue in testing that it's done in prior to its manufacturing. So that I think is, is sort of the sticky point for us. Can we use the Moderna vaccine? Um, I don't know if, if you want to go into that right now. Yeah. Or, I mean, okay. I, I think that is the very natural next question is like, okay, so there's, we, we can describe this as a connection to some degree with, with abortion, it's um, when we talk about fetal tissue, we're not talking about, you know, maybe a woman had a miscarriage and, and she and her husband decided to um, provide some tissue for, um, for research and development. This is actually, we're talking, when we talk about fetal tissue, we're talking about aborted, an, an aborted child. Um, and I don't know if you, if you can, yeah. So like, what does that, what does that mean for us? I guess, uh, does that mean that we, what is that connection? How can we describe that connection? What does it mean for us in terms of our thought processes? We're thinking like, well, do I get this vaccine, uh, et cetera? Yeah. yeah, that's a great question. So it's kind of been answered for us by the Vatican already before COVID. I think well, I want to say 2005, there was a letter put out and then there's a dignitas personae from the congregation of the doctrine of faith that addresses this issue. So according to the Dignitas Personae, we have an obligation, a really strong duty to object to the use of human fetal tissue in therapies, in other biologics, in treatments, in vaccines. So first and foremost is this 
duty to object and and make our objection known. So how do we make it known? We talk to, you know, these companies that are creating therapeutic treatments, um, you know, object to the use of fetal tissue. The big question is, well, do they have to use fetal tissue? They don't. The GlaxoSmithKline created a um, shingles vaccine that's more effective than the previous one. The previous one used human fetal tissue. This one doesn't. So, so object to the use of fetal tissue. That's what our church teaching tells us. And if I can, oh yeah, go ahead. I just want to insert really quickly, just knowing that that we had a duty to like raise our voices and advocate and object. Back in April, the USCCB actually a number of bishops that are on committees there signed a letter with a whole big group of pro-life advocates, and it was sent to the FDA and the vice president advocating on this exact point. Following that. April letter, the South Dakota Catholic Conference in May sent a letter to Governor Noam, just drawing the same issue to her attention and just saying, hey, you know, eventually these vaccines are going to come to South Dakota. We need to raise our voice now with these concerns. Um, so to your point about advocacy and, and raising objections, um, you know, we've tried to we've, we've tried to do that. So yeah. you're going to say, though. Yeah, no, and good job. I'm so grateful for the Catholic Conference, for the USCCB, and those who have stepped forward and said, hey, this isn't okay. If we think about Catholic healthcare, that alone probably could could change the tide of, of this, you know, where these vaccines go in their creation. Um, so first of all, duty to object. But then second of all, when there are no other options and when we have grave reasons then we could get these vaccines because we are remote enough from the evil. So did we, you know, cause the abortion? No. Did we participate in the creation of the vaccine? No. But now they're there. And we as parents could choose to use the MMR or chickenpox um, for our children because of, you know, the grave danger to society. Or um, so According to Dignitas Personae, again, grave reasons could exist for parents to choose them because our cooperation is remote enough and because in this scenario, scandal would not be caused. Yeah, and if, and if anybody wants to go read Dignitat, uh, Dignitatis Personae or, or a couple of other Vatican resources, we've got them up on the South Dakota Catholic Conference website. If you click resources and then under COVID, we've kind of got just a brief sketch of what we're talking about now with links to these other resources. So um, with this, like you've, you've used, used this word remote, like that, can you unpack that just a little bit? Because that's maybe a tech, like a technical ethical term or theological term. What does that mean? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, so if we have remote, immediate, um, you know, cooperation has these different levels. So if we are, are, you know, let's think of like a bank robbery. If we're going to be the person driving away the, you know, the getaway car, we're probably cooperating in the bank robbery, even though we didn't actually take the money. Yep. But, you know, if we're the person that changed the tires on, you know, the car, then that's remote from the actual action. So, for example, in in this case, you know, if we are um, a couple examples from the NCBC, you know, if we're paying taxes and then those taxes later go to fund Planned Parenthood, yep. that's really yeah. remote from the action of Planned Parenthood. Or if we're shopping at a grocery store that supports um, 
you know, stem cell research or something that's remote. We're really far distant from the actual cause. We still have a duty to object. And then, you know, the question is, okay, are we objecting? And then is that the only grocery store we can shop at? Well, object, and then we may need to actually buy groceries there. Yeah, and maybe an example that might um, come to mind for some Catholics, and there was a there was a bit of a boycott movement over Target a couple of years back. I don't know oh, if yeah. you remember that. Yep. They, had, they had introduced a new policy, essentially saying you could use whatever bathroom you that you personally identified with whatever gender you expressed, which meant that men could be going into women's bathrooms. And so long story short, there was a boycott attempt and there are still people that are like, I'm not going to shop at, I'm not going to shop at Target. That's, um, could you shop at Target? Yes. It's a, it's a remote connection, but that's, that's the way in which they're expressing their objection. Um, so, um, any, and I kind of think what I'm hearing you say too, is that there, there can be differing degrees of moral responsibility. Is that? That's correct. And, and if we are part of the institution that's creating or testing these vaccines that use the, t- you know, the tainted tissue, then our responsibility, our degree of moral culpability is much greater than if we are the parent who's sending our kids to school and we have no other option than to use that vaccine. Yeah. So yeah. how far removed from this act are we? And, you know, have we objected? Even if we do use the vaccine, we object. I, I think, you know, the big question is the, with the Moderna vaccine, have they used the tissue? And so there's sort of um, a, a disconnect in Catholic thought here. Several bishops have said, object to this vaccine and don't use it at all because it's closely connected to the tissue. And I think that's consistent with Dignitas Personae. Any use, production, um, you know, it's a pretty wide general category of use. So with the Moderna vaccine, the human fetal tissue was used in some of the testing, but isn't actually used in the vaccine. Yeah. Um, so how remote are we? That's another, that's, that's a specific question, I think, for Moderna. Yes. If I can say, just to be clear on that, then those bishops have spoken, and I think they're correct. But also the NCBC uh, under Father Tad has said, you know, because this is doesn't use the human fetal tissue, there's no tissue in that vaccine. That's a different question than a vaccine that actually has the tissue in it. Um, so he would say that that's even more remote and could be used. And, and on the, the little South Dakota Catholic Conference um, explanation that we have up on our website, we do make that point too that um, the the connection to testing, sort of validating the efficacy of the vaccine, um, there's still a connection, but it's even one more step removed. Um, what you could say maybe one more degree of remoteness, which again doesn't um, doesn't absolve all connection whatsoever, but helps us understand the the extent and um, sort of direct or indirect nature of of the connection. Um, maybe just shifting gears a little bit, you know, some of the language that um, the bishops have used, it, the USCCB used this language back in April when they were kind of advocating for 
um, good, solid, moral, ethical vaccine development is they said that they wanted a vaccine that was going to be safe, reliable, and effective. Um, is there anything that that we need to know about, especially this this threshold question, because it d- development has gone quickly and um, it's it's a new illness, a new vaccine, uh, safety. Um, what sh- what should we talk about here with the question of safety? Yeah, that's a good question. So one of the things that I do is sit on an institutional review board, and that board is one of the phases of human research. One of the you know the safety stops to human research. Um, so as an IRB, we're looking at, you know, does, will these trials actually inform vaccine development? Are they extensive enough? Are they, um, you know, long-term enough? Are they, so all of these different questions come in to say, is this actually going to give us good information? Another question is, you know, will it be successful in an effective vaccine um, is there transparency in its production? So while each trial still had to go through the three phases, they did that at warp speed. And so obviously there should be some concerns. Did that warp speed cause us to not get extensive information on these vaccines? I, I think there is a reason to um, acknowledge the uncertainty of whether adverse events have been fully um, brought out with the the quick testing. Um, What are the long-term effects? We don't know. With the Moderna vaccine, it's an mRNA vaccine, which hasn't been used on humans before. It's been used in animals, but this is the first human trial. So have we extensively tested it enough? I think the FDA oversees this and so we have that security of safety but there you know there there is an uncertainty that exists still and i and i want to be clear here too that um you know that not taking a position like somebody must or must not receive a vaccine just trying to talk a little bit about some of the factors and considerations in development you know as we were in our discussion of a remote connection uh to evil it's Again, it's not it's not that one cannot receive uh, the vaccine, but that there's a duty to object and and that there should really be a proportional reason without any other alternatives. And even kind of just talking through some of these safety concerns, it's again not trying to to undermine uh, at all, but just really wanting people to to ask good questions. This is stuff to talk about with a healthcare provider, um, so that so that we're really thinking well about about things that we're, we're putting into our body. Um, you know, one of the things that, that you've brought up um, is the, the Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act. Can you, can you mention just like what, what that is? Because I think that's a component of, of vaccine development and deployment that not necessarily many people know about. Sure, so one of the skepticisms with these vaccines is that the manufacturers are receiving sort of a blanket immunity. Um, and that probably causes concern for some people and, and should cause concern. So this what do you mean immunity, um, sorry, I'm going to stop you real quick. Cause I'm a lawyer and I know what you mean. Yeah. No, that's about immunity from disease. Um, immunity. So blanket, not liable for adverse effects that might arise in the future. So Does if I, I can't sue them 
immunity from lawsuit. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So if I get this vaccine and something goes significantly wrong, my recourse is not against the manufacturer. And and first of all, that you know should cause us to pause. But with that, if we look at vaccines in general, they have that blanket immunity anyway. So our recourse is against this congressional fund, the National National Vaccine Injury Compensation Fund. So just to address that, the PREP Act, the uh, Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act, extends that immunity to different therapeutics for this COVID-19. Like, let's, let's help these manufacturing companies create solutions and let's give them a blanket, not liable if something goes wrong. It, With that, or I was just going to mention, it doesn't mean if they're negligent, if they're, you know, just careless, they're yeah. liable for that. But we can't go it, after them. We have to go after the government. And the theory behind that is that vaccines are a great public good and we want to prevent illness. And we want companies to feel free to just go out there and invest in development without feeling like they're always under the gun of some huge lawsuit. We want to uh, spur creativity and investment. Um, but, um, so there's this kind of pool of funds that if you can prove that you've been harmed in some way or you've suffered an adverse effect, you kind of uh, have a claim against the fund rather than the company itself. Um, but th- there's, there's a downside to that too, which is sort of what you're alluding to, that um, the company, the developer itself doesn't have liability for its acts, which is um, maybe to apply an economic turn is a moral hazard. So, yeah, I, I think there would be risk there. Uh, I want to say I'm comfortable with that risk because it has to undergo FDA, such strict scrutiny under the FDA. Right. Um, so, and also there's recovery under the congressional fund. But just to, I bring that up because that is one of the, you know, concerns and it's a good concern. Sure. Sure. Okay. Um, we've got maybe six minutes left. Okay. Here's the here's the question. So can I get it? Like, can I get that? You know, we're, we're kind of talking about some concerns here. Can I can I get one of these vaccines? And I'll post the whole list up on the Catholic Conference website too for people, just so they can go through company by company and and look at the details of a particular vaccine. But that's the bottom line. It's like, can I get it? Okay. Yeah. I. That's the good question. Are you a parent? Are you an individual? Then. Have you, is, is the vaccine one that is connected to that, that tainted tissue, the human fetal tissue, and have you objected? So comply with that duty and then do grave reasons exist for you that you should get it? You know, we're in the middle of a pandemic that alone may be grave. This is a subjective determination for each individual case by case according yeah. to your circumstances. So yes, if your circumstances say I should get this vaccine, then have you complied with your duty to object if it uses the human fetal tissue? Um, then according to church teaching, you can get this vaccine and maybe even should, depending on the risk that would be caused by not getting it. Mm. So um, what is maybe just real, a practical question real quick. What does an objection look like? Is that something like, hey, uh, talking with your doctor, like, hey, is there anything else? I'm not comfortable with this. Is it writing a letter to public officials or writing a letter to a, you know, to a, a manufacturer? Any thoughts yeah. on that? You know, I'm not sure if there's a, a set form. 
if we think about the vaccines that would cause us no problems at all, I would say let's flood, you know, those companies that have vaccines with no issues, maybe the GlaxoSmithKline and the Pfizer and say, you know, we want you to continue to do this. Let's flood our government officials and say, please fund these vaccines. Then we don't even have to talk about this issue because it's a non-issue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some people are maybe thinking about this from a, a little different perspective too, if, especially if they're maybe working in healthcare. You know, when we were talking offline um, before we started recording, I mentioned that I'm in the I'm in the National Guard, the Air National Guard. Um, there are certain sorts of professions where it, there might be a directive that comes from someone in a position of authority, a supervisor, etc. You know, what's the what's the calculus for that sort of person if they're told to get it? Is it something they should you know should they do it? Yes. Um, so maybe can someone mandate this vaccine? I think that depends on who the authority is under state law. The authority might have been given to the health commissioner to say, yes, in a pandemic, you can mandate a vaccine. Um, it might, the governor may have that authority. I'm guessing that there's no mayor that would have an authority to mandate. Um, the state would have the authority to require it in schools. But then the question is, is there room for religious exemptions um, in the past? religious exemptions against human fetal tissue, even when they're a step beyond like Catholic teaching, those have been upheld time and time again. So if there is a mandate and you're mandated to use a vaccine that is connected to human fetal tissue, then there is that religious exemption possibility. Um, the other thing is this is arguably still experimental research because it's gone through at warp speed. So human research requires informed consent. Informed consent requires voluntariness. So I think that's a big beehive that's going to be poked. And what, you know, there's there's a few complex issues that we probably don't have time to talk about today. But sure. I would say certain authorities could mandate it. But then what can we do in response? We do have options. So maybe let's, we've got a minute or so left here. Let's recap. Um, so I think maybe the first thing I'm supposed to do is, is look at what is the vaccine that's being proposed to me? And I should like see if there actually is a connection to an evil act like abortion. Um, and then I think I heard you say we've got a duty to ob object if the answer was yes, like there's a connection. Um, and, and one of the things we could do is maybe ask for some like ethical options um, are there other alternatives here? Um, and then finally, I think I heard you say there's kind of this subjective analysis that's particular to each person. Um, if there are no other options under, under grave circumstances, there's a proportionally grave reason that it, it may be licit to, to use a, a vaccine with a connection to abortion. Is that a fair recap? I think that's a great recap. Well, I am... Um, I'm so grateful for, for your time. Is there anything else we should, we should hear here, Cameo? Um, and I, I want people to know too that there are gonna be more resources on the South Dakota Catholic Conference website. And again, the point of this is not to tell you what to do, but just to help you think, to help you reason well, because there's a moral component to this decision-making. And yeah. la last word to you, Cameo. Okay, last word. I would say that people are going to have different thoughts on this. And so just to extend mercy to their thoughts, you know, mm. some people will feel adamantly that everyone should get the vaccine and some people will feel adamantly that they're not around vulnerable populations and they're they're objecting to the vaccines. So to be to 
to just extend that mercy to those around you and also to to look towards your own good but the good of the public as well amen beautiful last word uh thank you for joining us cameo and thank you for tuning in dear listeners until next time live well (laughs) 